this is Sarah. This is Cassandra. And this is a twist of crime. We're back. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we took a little bit of a sabbatical. We had holiday stuff, and then we had some life stuff. So we are now back on the horse and ready to buggy. (laughs) I've been like, okay. Like, my brain is going like, like, like every time just because it's been so long. I'm so out of the rhythm. And then on, actually on Instagram the other day, I posted that we, like, oh, we were on hiatus. It was unannounced. I'm so sorry. Expect an episode soon. I'm like, okay. Hopefully it's all good. So, so far. If you hear that, that's cat drama. Yeah. Cat drama in the background. background. But we're, we're happy to be back. We hope you guys. Cats and all. <laughs> <laughs> we hope um, you guys are ready to listen to some uh, some some crime, some crazy, some crazy, crazy crime. Yeah, we're excited. We've got lots of plans, and we're ready to make those happen. So, we are gonna uh, the go ahead and. Jump right in. Jump right in. Um, and we're going to let Cassandra start this week. We are... So, the way that we did these two episodes, these next two episodes, is um, we decided that we would both pick a case. No theme, rhyme, or reason, but both <laughs> would pick a case that um, would be a surprise to the other person. Yes. So, we both don't have any idea what each other... Uh, you know, researched and is going to talk about. So, uh-huh. I'm excited to hear what she has to has to tell us because I don't know what it is. So I'm excited. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, um, just as a as a point of um, I, I guess routine at this point, trigger warning for all the things: violence, murder, kidnapping, whatever. Just all the things. Just know that we're going to talk about. We're we're, we're going to be respectful always, yes. um, but we are going to talk about this is true crime. So we are going to talk mm-hmm. about things that might be triggering to some people. We'll try to give you a heads up before we go into certain yeah. types of things, um, like you know trigger warnings, sexual assault, children, mm-hmm. cr- you know crimes that involve children, things like that. But just so you know, we are a true crime channel, and we are going to talk about some hard things. Mm-hmm. But we hope to um, tell it in a way that you're entertained by. So. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Miss Cassandra, you go for it. Okay. I'm sorry to get this over with already. It is so much information. But. I'm here for it. <laughs> Let's get it over give with. Us, give us all the 411. So right off the bat, you might know the name, but the crime has been basically just set or the whole event has been set under the name the Ayotzinapa mass kidnapping <laughs> do you know what I said Ayotzinapa close enough <laughs> <laughs> see I'm Mexican you're not yeah no I'm not um, I'm not even like born Mexican I'm only half in the United States so it took me like 20 minutes alright so this happened in Mexico then. Yes. Okay. So mass kidnapping. And how does one kidnap in mass? So in <laughs> southern this occurred in Ayotzinapa. <laughs> there you go. 
So anyway, all right. So for people, so that they understand, what's the difference between Mexican and Southern? <laughs> Mexican is the accent. So, so the way what does it sound like? Spanish, like? Mexican. However, it's Ayotzinapa. Okay, now tell us in Southern American. <laughs> Ayotzinapa. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ayotzinapa. It's don't come for me. Don't no. come for me. Anyhow. <laughs> Anyhow. So. In Mexico, this whole thing, it's been put under Los 43, so the 43. Okay. On Netflix, it's also called, the documentary that I got this idea from is also called The 43. Okay. So this happened back in September 26, 2014, and these series of events that ended up becoming the mass kidnapping started around 10 p.m. Ooh. So late. Where it was, it was Iguala de la Independencia. So, yeah, I'm already losing it. <laughs> so, I'll just call it Iguala. You're doing better than I <laughs> would be, so yeah. j- j- just keep boogieing, girl. Aye. So, Iguala is about 102 kilometers from the state capital of Chilpancingo. Like I said, I was born in the United States. Okay. And that's in Guerrero, Mexico. So, in Guerrero, they got these buses and everything. I'll explain it. So, allegedly, right off the bat, not to say anything, it was corrupt government, both local and federal. The official... Not unusual for Mexico. The official accused are the Guerreros Unidos. So, this is a splinter group of a larger... Larger group... (laughs) Is guerreros, like, gorillas? No. No? No. What is it? <laughs> Warriors. Okay, but it's... <laughs> yeah. But, like, we have, yeah. like, guerrilla warfare yeah. is what I'm saying. Like No, this is a group, like, the United Warriors. Gotcha. So this is a splinter group of the larger Beltran Leva cartel. Gotcha. So, there. And then other people that allegedly do it, just by outsiders and uh, media... It's Iguala, Huitzuco, and Cocula policemen, the federal municipal police, and as well as the Mexican army, but specifically the 27th Infantry Battalion. Okay. So we got a lot of people. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of people. So right off the bat, it's a lot. Anyway, so the story, it's 43 students from the Ayotzinapa Rural Teachers College and so these were student teachers. Oh, right. Now, now, I'm, now I'm with you. I'm with okay. you. So we got it. I mean, I don't know a ton about it, but I... I, I you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard bits and pieces. So. All right. So these um, student teachers, they were on some buses and they were headed to Mexico City to participate in what was called a Normalista demonstration. And Normalista, it's basically the best organized student movement there, there is. Uh, so that's what I understood from all the research. Right. And so this demonstration was to protest that Tlatelolco Massacre of 1968. You're going to have to look that up. I probably butchered it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I tried. So this massacre was the Mexican government deploying military forces on another demonstration that was quite large and it kept getting bigger in Mexico City just after the Olympics were held in Mexico City. Right. So these demonstrations had increased in size, like I said, since the beginning of the series. And this was from July 26, 1968 to October 2nd of the same year. Okay. 
So this massacre led to the disappearance and at least several hundred protesters being murdered and another thousand being injured. Yeah, well, that's... So they were going over there to protest this massacre. So in the end, about 100 students who barely knew each other gathered up kind of along the way and they'd met a few a few weeks before heading down. They set up actually knowing each other through aliases. Like, no one knew their real names. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. Safer. Yeah, and that's the whole reason they did it for security reasons. And so they all headed down to Mexico City. And they didn't have enough bus space for everyone once they all met up to get on the buses. They'd only been given one broken one that had no plates and it wouldn't move even with a prayer. So that, it was done. So these hundred students, they hijacked buses, but peacefully. And initially, these students, they hijacked two buses. So pin these two buses in your brain. The Estrella de Oro, the Gold Star okay. bus line. And those buses, they split up. One went directly to Iguala, and the other one detoured through the Huitzuco city as a pit stop to drop off some people, I think it was. So the all unaffiliated civilians, they were allowed to get to where they were. I mean, it was peaceful. And then safely get off, and then they would get the bus driver to take them to meet up with the others. Right. So at the Iguala station where they all met up, three more buses were hijacked. So that was two Costa Line, so Costa Line, and the third one was Estrella Roja, the Red Star. So the... For the initial split up was four, like four buses one went went one way and the the fifth one went the other and then they split up a little bit farther down the road so that was and it was three one one so this where it splits up three one one this is where everything goes wrong oops so municipal and local cops had surrounded the three group first and they started firing and just into the air like, almost like they were warning them for some like, reason. Like, just as a mm-hmm. listen up. Yeah. So the students, they initially got off to defend themselves, but the gunfire got too intense. And in the 43, the Netflix doc, the audio, sh- the actual shooting, it sounds almost basically like a heavy storm on a tin roof. Yeah. It was that bad. It was, I, I mean, I've been in sketchy situations, but not like that. Right. So... I, a, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's scary. I just, I think about, I'm assuming these, you know, they're students, so they're younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all around probably, what, 1920? Something like that. I didn't get So, ages. I mean, that's, you know, they're pr- pretty young to, yeah, but to be they, involved. They did defend themselves, but they did get back into the bus when the gunfire had started because they couldn't and so the officers they were all covered up in masks and they were laughing at some point it the documentary is kind of vague at that but the buses ended up closing up and they just raced off to get out the way Mm. so the second cop stop i think it was the actual unit was marked as number zero zero two and first kill which the student went by aldo he passed away. He mm. was killed. So unit number 332 arrived later at that second stop. And this 27th Infantry Battalion joined the reinforcements. This is where the worst gets worse. So we're not worst yet. But 
So someone was injured We're with... in the, the worst or yeah, the, the worst, worst part. So the, <laughs> the worst, worst, or the part worst part is everyone... All this chaos was happening. More people were, like, more people were injured because they were trying to make a smoke screen with a fire extinguisher that was on the bus. So right. it's like, they can't see us, so... Trying to block. Yeah. Yeah. And then ambulances were blocked twice, and a third one had to come in to get through it. So they called three times. Right. So, bargaining was a buzz. The cops knew that these students were actually students. They weren't any like, drug dealers. They weren't any actual criminals. And they, once they got their hands on the students, they started beating them. And the, they escorted two of the buses. So I think it was the one one, like the two that split off. So is so these students like they also like part of the part of this these schools these type of schools that they mm-hmm. go to. If I remember what I've seen the little bit I've seen, Mm -hmm. those schools are very, um, socialized, like, social-minded, and very, like, they have a very specific way that they think how, like, education and and politics should be, like, there are are people that are very anti these schools. Like, they they don't like them at all. I remember, yeah. So, I mean, just, I think that helps give a little bit of background as to why there's like this big tension yeah against the, the students yeah i would see that yeah, yeah. but <sighs> here we are yeah so anyway the, the cops that were there they escorted the two buses the one the two that split off this was also kind of who were they beating like was it the three group was it the single group right so then bus three a third bus it was threatened with death but the students they were somehow saved in the end, but the other two buses were needed to, needed to be saved, so they were still doubling back and going to save their peers, mm. even though they didn't know names, but stay strong. So these original two buses, the Gold Star, let's say, bus line, the two of those, they'd been beaten and taken away in trucks. These two buses you needed to keep track of. Mm-hmm. So, back of the mind. Right. So the final bus that they had, the as the the red red star it was coming late and they were coming to help the students but then they got called off for some reason i feel like i need a diagram you know like x equal <laughs> like so it's just gold, a compli- it's just like a complicated, it's really complicated. yeah the, the documentary really didn't help but so basically at this point with all the you got the guns, red and the gold so the gold star they were taken away in buses. Right. I mean, in trucks. So keep in mind, but those are in like the back of your mind. They're gone right now. Right. So that'll be, I think, the two singles. I don't know. And then the three, like the three group, I believe, they're fine. They just got basically rattled up. And now we're on Red Star. And they got threatened with death if they, they didn't get off the bus. And then they hid in an abandoned house until sunrise. Oh. So the Red Star was saved, but they had a hideout. Lovely. So, and then I put in all caps, why the two Gold Star buses? Well, those two buses had $2 million in heroin, roughly. 60 plus packages, about. They were hidden in those buses. The students had no idea. It's a lot of heroin. Yeah. 
So the students. It's a lot of money. <laughs> and this Especially, was what? Was was what year was this? Seven. Twenty. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Oh God, I don't know where. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, Hello, uh, Sarah was a little bit behind on that. So, t- wow. 2014. Okay. So, a lot of heroin. Yeah. And the students didn't know a lot of heroin was on that bus. So, they mm. it's suspected that this big-time drug lord called up a military officer. I couldn't find the exact rank. I th- it might have been a sergeant. It might have been a lieutenant. It might have been someone much higher. But Mexican, uh, Mexican a military, military officer. officer. Yes. And this... This drug lord had asked the officer to save his drugs at any cost. And as it seen as it actually has become is that any cost is, is any death. cost. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. And so the the drug lord was paying off this officer to do just that. Any any, any cost, cost equaling kill them all. Yeah. So yeah. the students that had been saved, the three that were circling around, they kept circling this empty city. No one was outside. It was barren, it was dark, it was late no one was absolutely no one was outside so once the students had found each other they pointed the officers they knew who shot at them plus they were masks right so and press was called in but as a precaution as a precaution because these cops they were bound to clean up the crime scenes and cover themselves and i literally put in the notes cover their asses yeah so i mean i mean yeah pretty much yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the roadblocks were they they didn't let the press in and they couldn't escape so only about 10 reporters actually squeezed their way through and that was around midnight oh. or two hours in and only 10 reporters can make it in and there's the battalion the, the 27th infantry battalion was local like this was a military town oh so the students so them, already yeah yeah and the students they they acted quick so the students they marked where the casings were from the guns with the stones that they could find like making their own little like one evidence marker too oh my god bless their hearts (laughs) it is i'm just like oh wow to one i guess i just to me like the thought to we need to mark where the casings are Mm -hmm. somehow like I don't know if it would if it would have even ever mm-hmm. like popped into my head that we need maybe, but if I was directly involved in something, I don't know if that would be like oh yeah, yeah we need to well, again, do this for for future <laughs> yeah. reference. I mean, it's a different mentality. Like my menta- when I go down there, to, yeah. well, to Mexico anywhere, my mentality changes. So uh, yeah. I guess it's that. It's true. I mean, living there is it's different. Yeah. So the students marked the casings. With stones, those casings were .223 caliber rifle casings. Twenty-two. Yeah. So, if you don't know what caliber is, <laughs> it's the how the diameter is of the gun, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't, the no, not the gun. The it's the bullet. Yes. So. Yeah. I heard a podcast very, where they didn't know. There's a very figured. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very simple fight. Yeah, but it's based on the the size of mm-hmm. the ammunition. So yeah. now we have a rough idea of that. Right. So when the students ended up getting found, they were actually pinned down. They couldn't move anywhere, and they had to wait for the cops to recharge. So if I'm remembering right, these certain students, they'd watch so much crime and drug lord 
movies and shows, well, they knew that the guns eventually had to be reloaded, and they that took a certain amount of time. So they're like, okay, don't move until they stop firing, and you hear them reloading, and then run. So smart. <laughs> so smart. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, and it's smart to just to have the wherewithal to say, mm-hmm. okay, let me count the gunshots before I move. Yeah. I know, you know, if you're watching a movie or something, you're like, oh, Reload. that that that, that yeah. gun should have been reloaded like mm-hmm. five minutes ago because yeah. they should be out of bullets. But in real life, they do run out and mm-hmm. you have, I mean, like, it's smart. I, again, I don't know if I would have the presence of mind <laughs> yeah. to I start counting. Would've... And if I did have the presence of mind to mm-hmm. start counting, I don't know that I would have the bandwidth of mental capacity to keep track of the number. Right? <laughs> I, would, I would lose count and be like, what was that? Seven? I don't remember. <laughs> Are we on 20? Are we on two? <laughs> Wait, that was, I mean, just the fact that, yeah. like, also there's multiple guns, so how do you yeah. know what gun, you know what I mean? Like, that's... Yeah, I think, like, also, like, in the movies, they all fire. Right. And they all have to reload yeah. at about the same time, right. so... That must have been what was happening. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Like I said in another episode, more science, less guns. For the love of Christ. More science, less guns. Yup. (laughs) So anyway, they knew they had to recharge, like I said, from the movies on cartels and drug movement. So then once they heard that, they scattered. Being very much exposed to that. Like you said, being very much exposed to that, they... Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. Not ne- that it was ne- necessarily second nature, but that it yeah. they had a little bit more of knowledge yeah. about what could and what they should do. Yeah, and that actually ended up saving most of them. Unfortunately, there was two lives that were still taken away mm-hmm. in the escape. One of them had actually survived an earlier attack. Oh, good grief! So all of this, and still, of course, yeah, but. The students that did manage to escape, they split up and they avoided crowds if they could, and they didn't stay together. They spread out. They were. It was like makes sense. It was like whack a mole, for lack of a better word. Trying, yeah. Well, so they joined up with like very very small groups of students and journalists if they could. A man who actually opened his door to a few of the students said everything was all messed up, and he pointed actually pointed out. These trucks that were passing by, he said, those are person pickups. So, he called them pirate trucks. Ooh. And you can... And then people at a private clinic, they were rejected by the director. And then the military police came in, threatened them, and took their phones. And then a little bit later... Well, not sus. Yeah, not not sus at all. Yeah. And then a little bit later, a captain, quote, I put, quote, unquote, apologized... <laughs> apologized okay yeah so unquote unquote or quote unquote and then he called an ambulance and the cops so and then police were actually still searching for these students because apparently my two million dollars of drugs i don't know why you put them on a bus in the first place stupid. okay but at this point though my question is if the drugs are on the bus just then why take, are you worried yeah. about the kids that were on the bus? If you have a pretty good idea that they didn't know that they were on the the drugs were on the bus, they're off the bus now. Well, who the, the who bus, the hell cares? But they know. They know that the cops know um, that they yeah, were on the bus. Yeah, at this point, well, sure. And they're also witnesses. 
And so <laughs> they might think, well, they're thinking, may, well, they might be thinking that the students are thinking that, oh, <laughs> they're in cahoots with the cartel of some sort. And they're, oh. like, we're dead either way. Oh, I got you. So uh, they're yeah. witnesses. Yeah, that, make more, that makes more sense. Yeah. Sorry. I was, yeah, that makes more When you got the cartel on side and the police both mm-hmm. coming after you, I guess that makes sense. Well, yeah. They, you know, the drug lord conveniently left out that the kids <laughs> don't know that the drugs are on the bus. Yeah. I but, know. you know, details. <laughs> right. So. Who can be bothered? Yeah. So. I would say this is a little bit of a trigger warning right here, because I'm. It made me furious this part. Beep 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 beep. Yeah, beep trigger. Beep. Yeah. So the next morning, morning. There's a random bus that was attacked by cops. I think oh, it might um, have been just because quote, of its cops. Unquote, random or no, it was or random. <laughs> like yes, yes, random. Like, gotcha, gotcha. It's not quote unquote. Yes, yes, random. <laughs> so this random bus was attacked by cops, and. They were soccer players and their coach and the driver. The driver and a soccer player were killed. Do I even dare ask how and old these soccer players were? They were pretty young. Oh. They were minors, like, I believe. Like chil- children. They yeah. were they were children. Yes, and the coach was injured. But still two lives were lost. And then I really got mad at this part. But uh. an officer realized and he said we fucked up, Commander. They're just soccer players. <laughs> so you think, you jackass? Right. I, so just, mm, end on that trigger warning because that really that made my blood boil, and my blood is boiling right now. Well, that's just. I guess that's where I was getting at. Like, just leave the the kids that were on the the students that were on the bus alone. So they must have thought that the bus picked yeah. up. I don't. Know, it, so they thought it was the same bus. Yeah, because they hijacked buses, and so they, they Depending must on what the age of the kids, the soccer players were on the yeah. bus, they probably looked about the same age as the students that were on the I other guess. bus. I don't know, but the, he realized, the, one of the officers realized pretty quick, we messed up. We fucked up. Yeah, that's just a small understatement. Yeah, honestly. So, back to the other, the actual victims here. Uh, well, not actual victims, the other victims, right. I should say. yeah. The student protester that actually had escaped with the help from an ambulance started to realize the arrested group from the trucks, the Gold Star buses, well, they were actually missing by morning. So a skinned face was actually shown to these students. The terror set in. A what? (gasps) No skin. A skinned face was shown to these kids. God. And I, I, whenever that came what? up, I, I had to look away. And I don't, Why? I don't want to describe it to you. A well, I mean, I, g- I don't, I, I get, yeah, I guess intimidation and, yeah. yeah. I guess so. It was, it was a Well, I mean, it's, up. yeah, it's a, it's a fear into submission type of deal. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what happened to you, kind yeah. of. I but can't even imagine. I don't know Jesus. if it was a student or some other guy they skinned. Um, that was my next question, like. Who, whose face was it? <laughs> I didn't see if there was a little there because I wasn't looking. <laughs> I was saving my eyes oh for God. for my, my food. I, I, I mean, really, eat. truly, and really and truly, the cartels do yeah, not they do hold back. Mm-hmm. They don't hold back. There is no, like, holds barred. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't bear to look at it. It's a skinned face. I don't know what else to tell you. I really don't want to describe it. 
Because that would be another trigger warning. You know. So I mean, just just skinned face. That's yeah. That's, that's sufficient. All you need to know. It's sufficient. So obviously, the terror sets in, and fifty-seven students have been missing by this point, and three students specifically had passed away. Mm. <laughs> Guess what? Uh, the mayor puts in a thirty-day leave request and vanished. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> he did <laughs> i mean did you expect him to stay around in that bullshit no well no i mean okay first of all if the military is corrupt already in that town it's a pretty good do you bet. expect the mayor not yeah to? It, it, absolutely <laughs> he, i mean if the police the military are both God. both corrupt mm-hmm. i'm assuming any elected officials are too so yeah. i think it's probably a, a probably a good assumption well he's garbage <laughs> <laughs> so anyway womp, womp. <laughs> uh, Mayor Garbage actually became a fugitive once this Is massacre. that what we're going with? Mayor Garbage? Anyone who's garbage, <laughs> it's just your just title ma- garbage Mayor Garbage So he actually became a fugitive once the massacre happened A fugitive? <laughs> yes Okay, so who did, Was it the Mexican government that made him a fugitive? Like, who? I guess, I think so Okay Because the, poli- the military there ain't definitely Because they did it well, I guess, I was, I, I guess I'm just like, okay, is there, anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted, but I'm, I'm just thinking through, like, who, like, if everybody's, if everybody's corrupt, did they do it as, like. To save face? Yeah, to save face, to say, oh, say we're, so. we're, you know, he's, he's a fugitive so. from justice and we're out on the hunt, but we're really not, but it, we're out on the hunt. It might have been, like, the state police. or the, I didn't... They didn't do much specifics, and this is still a pretty sensitive case. Right. So I couldn't find much. I found more on some I mean, outside. In the in the grand scheme, it's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. In 2014. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's not that long ago. So, five days pass. So, we're out over the night. Mm-hmm. So, five days pass, and there's an evident difference between the students' accounts and the government's. I'm not surprised. No, no. Yeah, so like the students had hidden out in that abandoned house and had come out. They say something different. So by this, these five days, 43 of the 57 that had been missing are still missing. Because all the kids that had been, or not kids, all the students that had been in hiding, right? They came out except for those 43. Which. It means they're not hiding. And so the governor, he was like, oh. The students are coming home. Like, whenever they felt safe, they're coming home. Everything is fine. Yeah, that was a lie. Obviously. <laughs> they feel safe, they're coming home. I'm not. I don't know who feels safe, but okay. <laughs> right. So who is, who is feeling safe in this situation? Not me, and I wasn't yeah, there. Like, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So actually, the one of the 43's phones... Well, the 43 that are still remaining, one of their phones was actually pinging off a cell tower, marking their location as within the 27th Infantry Battalion base. Mm-hmm. And that, the area where they, the attacks had happened, the massacres and the kidnapping, that was heavily, like I said earlier, heavily under army influence. No one was going to say it was pinging. They didn't. I guess, uh, yeah, how did they find out that it, 
Like how who how and who found out that the cell phone was pinging? IT guys, geeks, bless y'all. Well, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, who, they didn't who announced go back it? Into it? Who 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 announced that? A lot of the stuff that I found was actually from like separate pub- publications. Uh, so all these journalists went in. They brought in their IT guys. So it's it's like a, a separate They're, third, fourth, fifth parties that yeah, are it's like basically civilian investigators. Mm. Because, like you said, who who from the military or mm-hmm. the law enforcement or politicians who's going to say, hey, yeah, <laughs> here, one of their cell phones was right here, and yeah, now we can't find you? them. Yeah. So that that would obviously raise suspicion. Right, yeah. So with all this coming, coming together, on October 2nd, like I said earlier, was the final day of the massacres, the, with the 1968 massacre march. On October 2nd, along with that, the first 43 are missing march happened. So they were pretty quick to get on it and to raise awareness. It was ginormous. I mean, Mexico City, from what I remember, it's been a year, over a year, chronicle away. Um, but the lanes. The before times. Are six across in one direction and six across in the other. And people use them lines suggestions. So. This was huge. It was across six lanes, these marches. And one of the main chants that was happening specifically with the 43 are missing marches was they took them alive. We want them back alive. That's a there was no beautiful police. chant. Yeah, I, the pessimist and the, yeah. it's not going to happen, but, obviously. Like, the police weren't there to see it. They vanished from the streets. <laughs> and it was like an admission of guilt and shame. So fencing off was everywhere. So kind of like the um, the 8M marches for the anti-feminist side and the feminism marches. There was no... It was just fences. There was no cops, really. Well, is it so kind of... Special. Yeah. So kind of as a background to the Mexican government, in the United States, we have four years for a term. Right. In Mexico... For, well, for well, certain offices. Do, yeah. For president, it's four years right. for one term, and you can only do two like a second, two mm-hmm. consecutive. Well, in Mexico, from what I understand and from what I remember, you have one six-year term. So at the time, it was President Peña Nieto. He, it took a week to say absolutely anything. Hmm. I put in my notes, I do not like him. So Is I'm, he the current president? No. I'm ashamed to ask that, but... You know, no, I think the I think it was the year after the twenty so in twenty seventeen so after the twenty sixteen elections I think they did a re-election and so right now from what I understand because I didn't really get into politics now they're saying oh he's a socialite and everything was it's mm. politics I didn't really get into it so right okay. it's a new president I don't know his I think his name is Amlo so anyway Peña Nieto I put Dick Wadding. <laughs> Dickwag. Dickwad ding. Oh. Oh, God. Well, okay then. <laughs> so, back on track. President Dickwad. Yeah. So, back on track, the Guerrero Public Ministry had actually had evidence incriminating the 27th Infantry Battalion because they were in the area and, I mean, army. Right. So, nothing meaningful ever happened because of that. The area was closed off, and federal government took over any of the Guerrero investigations into the 43's disappearance. The 43 investigation, quote, found 
unquote, 28 bodies in a pit grave, which led everyone else to think that it was the missing students just because they had nothing else. a lot else. of them, yeah. It was just that hope that they had. And so with forensic evidence, it confirmed that at least some of the bodies at that point were not the students. No. So they were still holding out. Well, and it's, we'll cover this later, but it's not uh, unusual to find mm-hmm. mass grave sites in Mexico. No. <laughs> it's, it's not. We'll it's, get into that later, guys, but uh, yeah. It's spooky how it's, much there is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of mass burial sites. And so the government, when they had found these bodies, avoided any and every question about the students or they would just beat around the bush. They wouldn't give you a straight answer. So then a conference... Of course. Yeah. Of course. Then a conference happened and they claimed that the Guerreros Unidos, that United Warriors, I think it was, and the mayor and the mayor's wife were all in cahoots. And so the government cars and the dummy dolls, everything was burned. Oh. So How about that? So they a lot of these dummy dolls that they burned, they're kind of like a mocking for what was her name? It was For the wife? No, not her. Oh. Garbage. If she actually was in cahoots. But we watched a documentary, it was the forty three deaths of I can't remember her name. But they The had, three deaths of Oh god, Glory Glory No, Gloria wasn't her name. So well, anyway, we'll put it in in a description. But somewhere. not a mo- not mocking, but it's like kind a, of like look at because th- it was these three judges and they put them up and they were like mocking them. They were like, uh, "See what you've I done." S- I see. So it was like kind of like mocking them at themselves. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't mess around. So l- a little bit later, between these events, pits with more bodies had been getting found a- around Iguala, where it happened. So search parties were searching by foot into the hills, and also they were searching by helicopter. And they found a landfill nearby. And it was heavily guarded, I mean, by armored <laughs> trucks, guns, everything. So even if it's not the students, you know something's there that they, don't want, people, there. They, yeah. that they don't want people to know about. Yeah, exactly. So between the landfill and the next quote-unquote discovery, parents were calling out Peña Nieto in a meeting after 30 days from all this happening. From the disappearance and demands were that the president takes immediate action or they turn to international organizations for help the president only made them angrier and i put dick wadding number two. Oh, yeah you can see why i wasn't happy with him <laughs> <laughs> so okay so at this point they've been missing how long 30 days uh, about a month about 30, yeah okay so with no no inclination as to where or what where they are or what happened to them exactly at this point i mean the government hasn't given anything the government hasn't even inclined to say which is very interesting to me how a bus of 43 people Mm -hmm. just vanishes into into thin air everything is basically speculation although i will say that there's it's it's not exactly exactly like this case but there is a case, and we might do it later on, too, um, that was, it was uh, a school bus kidnapping here in the States. And it was, um, the, so these guys thought they were going to hold these children for ransom, which, I mean, they were just regular, (laughs) 
they're just regular little elementary school and middle school children. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. And there were like, I think there were probably maybe 28, 30 on the bus. I, yeah, I don't know maybe. exactly, but their bus, the people did, they dug out a pit and like, so it's possible, it's, it's very yeah. possible if there's mass burials with, you know, 30, 40 people in them, then you can make a whole bus disappear if you really want to. Yeah. That also means that it was either planned or they had very many resources to make it happen. So, yeah. And so, like like I was saying, these parents... So, kind of back to the three deaths. I right. finally remember it. It's the three deaths of Marisela Escobedo. Right. Okay. Yep. It's a very... It's a beautiful documentary. It ripped my heart out, but... It, like, it was a hard one. Yeah. Yep. So, whew. Yeah, yeah, it was a hard one to watch. So, kind of like what they... What Marisela did leading all these parents the parents were all together and they got they rallied support right and they were marching they really drove home that we will not forget them so kind of a little bit after these meetings a discovery happened that 19 burned bodies were found in this guarded landfill oh so there was a bajillion bone fragments in a river that was nearby and the fragments matched the appearance of those at the landfill. So the river was like, let's say like a hill over in the landfill. The landfill bodies matched the river bodies. So at least 40 bodies, more or less, they were found in total. So according to some gangsters, the following morning, I think, the fire that had burned the bodies had lasted from midnight to about 2 or 3 p.m. That's where it's fishy. So the government rolled with the midnight to two, three fire story. Right. The government, even then, was at odds with itself when an, a shaky official statement was released. The parents, again, were quick to reject the government story. So this landfill burning, it was quickly and scientifically disputed. 30,000 plus tires would have had to be there. To do that from midnight for two or three hours. That's a gigantic fire. Uh-huh. And the burning... Like, I, I can't even overstate how big of a fire that is. That's not all. It would uh, have to happen for at least a long, 60 hours. Which is... Did not happen. Two and a half days? Mm, I don't 48 know. hours, 72 hours is three, 60... Hours. So something like that, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's much longer than two, three hours. Right. So it didn't matter with science. It had rained in the area the night before the <laughs> fire had supposedly happened. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're, we're nearing the end. The riots break out. The protests happen. Fires actually happen and within all this. Spray paint messages are left behind in international protests break in support of the parents. This is how I know humanity is not all a raging fire because internationally everyone was rallying. Yeah. So kind of like again with the 8M and the anti like feminicide, I international think, I support think came. Ultimately people there are more good people than bad people and mm -hmm. then and there are more people that are compassionate than not. And I think, you know it's just when the people yeah. that are in power are the ones that aren't good and don't have compassion, that's yep. where the, yeah, so. 
so yeah with all the internet like it's become international so now international governments are were and kind of are at odds with mexico the case of the 43 was declared the worst human rights case ever and honestly i'm not surprised so Former President Peña Nieto, he was rejected by the parents and the supporters within Mexico as a president. And let's put this into perspective. So, I don't know who deemed it, like, the worst human rights. They weren't really I mean, but, like, and obviously it is, Mm -hmm. but for it to be 2014 Mm -hmm. and to have that blatant of a disregard for human rights yeah is i don't know I, I i would think that the there are other things that i don't are comparable i'm not going to say one is worse than the other but like just the fact that we're in the time that we are in mm-hmm. human rights violations like that are still happening yeah to the point of which it, i am thankful that it was recognized internationally yeah and people will see it because that kind of holds them to their feet to the fire a bit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, internationally, you know, there's only so much that so much pressure people can put on the actual Mexican government. Yeah. And it's like I love visiting Mexico, but there's also a comedian y'all have probably heard. Uh, it's Fluffy. 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 His name is Gabriel Iglesias, but he goes by Fluffy a lot. And he said in one of his specials, I can't remember which one, he's saying, yeah, I love visiting Mexico. And it's like, people ask, like, why would you move to Mexico? Because he's Mexican. And it just happens. Like, would you ever move there? He's like, no, just visiting. I'm like, that's how I did. It's so dangerous down there. It's like, I love the country that my roots are from, but it is so dangerous to live down there. Those, the roots of, I don't think the... And when, by by saying that, I think it's the fact that, obviously, all the people are not mm-hmm. bad. All Mexican people oh, are yeah, not no, bad. No, no. I mean, just... all all Mexican people, I think the, the average Mexican person is. Yeah, and uh, I. I mean, not, they, they have, the average Mexican person may never be impacted personally or be experienced personally like the the cartels and stuff or mm -hmm. they do but it's yeah it's just like i love going there it's just you never know who is going to be impacted or is going to impact you yeah and so it's it's just i'll love and when there's no oversight like there's there's nothing Mm -hmm. to hold anybody accountable for those then you can't you can't make any progress and so it's kind of like looking around the corner what's going on it's really scary yeah it's really scary i'll love the culture with all my soul but it's it's just it's just scary i mean Mm -hmm. like they're yeah yes so back on topic um so peña nieto still rolled with the burned in the landfill by gangsters story until the end of his presidency in 2018 and like i said it's single six-year terms so the infantry battalion was the only group that couldn't be reached for interviews and the parents didn't want the lawyers that were actually on the case and fighting real hard on it to leave. Mm. So at some point, the colonel of the 27th Infantry Battalion 
actually admitted to plainclothes soldiers being on the streets that night. Oh. Yeah. Nice. And several other soldiers, they eventually also corrob- they admitted it and corroborated the story. That's probably all they said. They're like, I was there. <laughs> but I didn't see or do anything. Yeah. I was there, though. But I, I didn't do anything. I was in plain clothes, but I didn't do nothing. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I have lost a lot of faith in stuff like that. But, yeah. like I've been saying, and kind of how the story's been going, there's been smoke screens since the night that everything happened. I have no and, doubt. And the government's been co- covering their tracks and avoiding human rights charges from international organizations. So, kind of what's resulted overall, even today, that I could find. Because, like I said, the, the 43 documentary on Netflix, that's actually pretty recent. I think it was... Yeah, it's not, I mean... beginning of 2020, maybe in the middle, I'll have to check, but it's a pretty freaking new documentary. Yeah, it came out this year, I thought. Like, well, within, within, in 2020, but, like, within the year from... so. Yeah. But anyway, kind of what resulted in what I was researching, the bodies of any of the 43 have never turned up, and the fight still continues. So, of the one mass burial site none mm-hmm. of them were matched Mm-mm. to any of the students both yeah and then the in all the bones and bodies that were found in the landfill out of all of them none of them were matched no one's been matched so there's still 43 people missing so do we know the people in the bear in the in the those two places like do we know who they are I mean, if I they're mean, not the students, who are they? A few of them, they figured out, oh, this if this is not a student, they must have gotten another one. They were also pretty vague about those. And I would say probably they didn't really release it. And I would probably have to go within the, like, the specific. Gotcha. So maybe they figured it out. They just haven't actually said. As far said as they know, they, it's, it's not a student. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay. So. As of right now, with with this sec, this this I don't even know what to call it. These these events. We we don't know where the forty three students are. Nope. We don't know who the people are in the two different mass burial sites that they happened to find while looking for the students. Nope. So we're talking. You know, roughly 100 people's families that don't know where their loved ones are right now. Yeah. I, I mean, mean and I know that there are, uh, like we talked, well, like we said, we're probably going to do that too and talk about like all the different mass burial sites mm-hmm. that have been found in Mexico. But like just in this one event or however you want to phrase it, there are, I mean, it's just, that's just tragic. Yeah. And I mean, the, the mass graves that were found in, like, with the gangster burning pile, I guess. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but... It's... I, I don't laugh because it's funny. I laugh because, like, uh, just the fact there's not really a term for it. Well, this... That. The fire. Right. And those bodies, because it was guarded so heavily, mm-hmm. we might not... It might not be ever, like, major public knowledge. Right. And anything else that was 
backed up by possible lies from a gangster trying to like, cover for some mole inside of the government, it's probably rival gang members, people that were targeted to get at a gangster, or it's like some sort of twisted initiation thing. It could be anyone. I mean, or it could be a hell. I I think honestly, it could be just a dumping site for anybody that they wanted to get rid of. So mm-hmm. maybe not. We, they got rid of 20, 30 people all at one time. It's been 20, 30 people, onesies and twosies at a time that yeah. they've been just eliminating as they cause yeah, issues. Yeah, and then the river, that's a whole other issue. It's nature's out there. Like, some yeah. sort of... Oh, uh, yeah. It'll do the work for you. Yeah, and the heat doesn't help, and the water flow doesn't help. It, And it was fragments. And this river, actually, I'm just remembering, it was... This it looked more like a stream to right. me, but it documentaries. The river was in dirt. Obviously, it wasn't like sand, sand, sand. It was dirt and trees and foliage and bushes and everything. So there might as well be birds picking out, and everything was broken down. They found fragments of tops forty bodies, and it matched the burning bodies. From the from the landfill, it could have been anyone. It's just tragic, and to, I don't know obviously like how they went about. I'm sure they had a, a forensic um, anthropologist mm-hmm. identifying the bodies, but when they're in fragments like that, that's just the ones that they were positively able to ID as separate different people likely yeah. and, and so there probably are fragments and bones that for whatever reason they couldn't have identify who they belong to so there could, there could very well be more. many more yeah. people and that's that's the messed up thing it was a guarded military landfill right that's why i think it's just a long time dump site yeah it, and <clears throat> which if that's true then you'll probably never know who all yeah. was in there. And because one of the officers was in cahoots with a, well, supposedly, allegedly, a officer was in cahoots with a drug lord. Mm. This officer probably told these guards, just look the other way when this guy comes in. Right. So, or this guy's men. Yeah. So, it, it could have been anything. And people have actually had to leave. Yeah. Leave the country. And there was some, several journalists have had to leave so, one I, went, I was talking about, it was Annabel Hernandez. She got into organized crime journalism because her father actually had gone missing in December of 2000. And she wrote a book on this event, the 43, and she immediately got threats. And that forced her to move to Europe somewhere in self-exile for her safety. So, I think it might be somewhere in Spain. I don't remember. It might have been more north, more south, more somewhere. But the book on the 43 is A Massacre in Mexico, the true story behind missing 43 students. So the Spanish, the original Spanish version was published in 2016 and translated in 2018. So I am not reading anything to anybody. It is in English. (laughs) Read it yourself. Unless you actually need it. Well, there's probably a audiobook for it. But um, Hernandez actually wrote another book that actually forced her to move out of Mexico. 
which was Narcoland, the Mexican drug lords, and their godfathers. Mm-hmm. And she received multiple death threats, kind of like how she did with the 43 book. And she actually moved to California. Mm. Well, it obviously didn't agree with her, and she wrote the true story behind the missing 43 students. And by 2016, 2018, she moved to Europe for her own safety. And she's been living there ever since. It's... I wonder exactly how many people have had to do that because I'm guessing that she's just one of the more well-known ones. <clears throat> she probably is because she was actually a recipient for the 2019 douche. Douche? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know how to say douche. it. It looks Dutch, okay? okay? Whatever it is, Well Freedom of Speech Award. I don't know. Look at it. Where is it at? Douche. Douche. The Deutsch. It, it's, it, it's the Deutsch. Deutsch. Yeah, the Deutsch Well Freedom of Speech Award. It sounds like Deutsch. Deutsch. Well, y'all know I learned by reading that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did some help. It's okay. So, she's actually still pretty popular. I mean, she goes to LA, she does her tours and stuff, but her residence is in Europe. Right. I doubt she's gone back to Mexico. Yeah, no. But she's... Pretty popular, I, I mean. Would, I would guess that she um, will never be able to go back to Mexico. Yeah. I mean, props to her if she does. It's... Yeah. Like I was... I, I love the culture, but I ain't living there. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's dangerous as is where I go to school now. And that's so. nothing, you know, that's just on Yeah. government and mm-hmm. corruption more than the... Yeah. the it says more about that than the people themselves. It's an unfortunate thing, but... Yeah. It is, because I think it it sheds a really terrible light on the the country and the culture itself. Yeah, and... When there really are a lot of beautiful parts of it. Yeah, I, I really like going there. I really like meeting people. It's just one of those areas where it's... Watch out. Just in oh, case. Yeah. So... So, that was a lot. Yeah, my head hurts. <laughs> that's a big one. That's I, I, again, I I think when you look at it in the bigger picture, that's a lot of people's families. Yeah, and it's not even just the forty three. It's the driver of the soccer team, oh, and yeah. it's one of the soccer players. Yeah. And so, and then all the people that survived the and the, them too. Yeah, and they, that are permanently yeah. scarred by it. Yeah, in the documentary, actually, they interviewed some of the people. I think they were still under their alias. But you could see oh, in their eyes uh, that it's shoot. definitely, like... I don't know that I'd be showing my face, because I wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> no. Parents sure made a big deal about it back when... Because there was... If I'm remembering correctly, one of them was from the fi- the 57. Like, had to come back. The few that had come back. Right. He was one of those. He was saying... I think it was a he. But this person was saying, yeah, we hid out for our lives. Like, we didn't know whether it would come out or not. It was it was light out, but that well, means they could see us better. I mean, you obviously at that point know that they, you, they, their intention is to kill you. There is no... Yeah, and you're hiding out. It's... It's terrifying. I can't the, even imagine going through it. The way this... The fact that cartel shows and movies actually somehow saved them 
most of them, it's it's unbelievable. It's unfortunate that it had to get to that point, but well, dot 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 dot. Yes. Well, we're we we've got plans to talk about a whole bunch of different things. We'll probably circle back around to things like this here and there mm-hmm. in more specific terms. Um, and we won't, you know, absolutely because Cassandra is Mexican herself. Yes. We, we, we do want to mm-hmm. put a little bit of a spotlight on Mexico as well as the U S we're going to hop around the whole U S we're going to hop around the world. Yeah. So we are, we're going to really try to touch all the states maybe provinces a little bit around the world but we've got plans but thank you cassandra for yes 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 you know bringing that to us uh, as our first case coming back, back. from the hiatus <laughs> so that was a lot well if you guys want to hear more if you liked us let us know um Please subscribe and keep listening if you liked it. We've got more to come. Next episode will be my surprise case. Yes. um, That Cassandra doesn't know about. So I'm so anxious. (laughs) I'm so ready. I'm excited to tell you about it. It's a doozy. This one was a doozy. The next one will be a doozy. (laughs) But um, yeah, so you guys find us on all our social media at a a twist of crime. All the things, you know. Um, we've got Instagram, Facebook, we're trying to figure out how we want to do TikTok. We're we're not quite sure yet, but we, we kind of want to, um, we think it'd be fun, but yeah, give us, you know, a subscribe, follow us, us yeah, follow us, shout out, let us know you're listening and what you like. I mean, I guess you can tell us what you don't like, too. We'll, 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 we'll listen. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try not to be take it too personally. We're sensitive, so keep it nice. But <laughs> We're sensitive. We're sensitive little snowflakes. So, um, But, yeah, so we enjoy telling you guys about this stuff. And we look forward to the all the plans that we have to tell you about new stuff. So have a good one, and we'll see you next time. Don't say too twisted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, keep it twisted, but like, you know, like, don't go, don't go murdering people. D- no, not don't don't like don't don't twist don't no. Just let's just say no. Be good civilians, okay? N- no murdering, okay? Okay. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye. Bye.